So guys, welcome to the Mashup 233. So today, you know, I actually saw a meme about how our parents bought pieces of land for one CD <laughs> and 10 CD, obviously, depending on their location. One CD today cannot buy you a cement block, okay? No. The current housing deficit in Ghana stands as about 2 million housing units, right? The housing market is as competitive as ever due to population growth, lack of planning and urbanization. Will millennials ever be able to afford houses? Like there are, there Will may we? be solutions. <laughs> there may be solutions oh, though. Okay, we'll see. There may be solutions to this challenge and today we are going to talk about housing, real estate and the future. Yeah. Ladies in the house. Ladies in the house, yeah. yeah. So um you guys can introduce yourself. Okay, since so like this, let me just go. So I'm Deborah Dennis. I'm Lydia Quay. Okay, great, great. Right. So I'm an architect, so basically yeah, housing is my thing. Okay, cool. Awesome. Okay, I'm a facilities manager by profession. Yes. Okay, okay. That's cool. So then we are we are going to have this um, part of the conversation from the point of view of two people, okay? And basically, it's in this society we live in, it's either between the, it's always between the haves and the half nots, isn't yeah. it? So we have um, the houseless point of view, right? Mm-hmm. And the heritage point of view. So I think what he means is that millennials are divided into two groups. And so you have the houseless and then you have the. Um, inheritors as you, as you choose to call them so the hustlers basically are those who may be first generation um, um, educated are trying to make something out of themselves and for their future and then you have those who um, by dint of you know successive uh, generation generational wealth yeah. um, may have inherited which I mean on both sides everyone is, is trying to make something out of their life really but um, for this episode, we want to put these two people, um, give them the opportunity to all have a good view of how they can get uh, housing for themselves and for their families. So that's basically what's going to happen today. So, yep. So, so Lydia, um, how would you come about owning a house? Okay, so there are two typical ways. There are two typical ways of owning a house. Um, the first is either you buy, as in either you buy land or you buy a finished house, mm. or you inherit it. That is, if your parents already have and they pass it down to you, either before they die or after they're dead. Right. That those are the two typical ways you can get it. It. Even the inheritance, it doesn't necessarily have to come from your parents. There are times you get it from other family members. Mm. Um, you can also have a hustler who would get it from, say, someone they've lived with before or a family friend 
who didn't necessarily have people they want to leave their property to or prefer to leave it to that particular person. So okay, those so what are the about typical the, ways. Okay, sorry. Um, what about the typical hustler who has to like get land on his own? Yeah, so what, then what you'll be them? buying. You so either buy land or you buy a built property. Usually, um, I was doing some math earlier and I realized you're looking at being able to pay about say 50,000 CDs, let me say tops, okay. for a typical three-bedroom house every month okay. if you want to be able to finish paying for a house of maximum, let's say, 600,000 CDs. Oh, wait, hold up. Sorry. <laughs> wait, can, can you go over that? Okay, so if you want to own a house, mm-hmm. three-bedroom, right. typical, that is about 600,000 CDs. Okay. Within 12 months... Right. You'd have to be paying quite a huge sum. Typically, I think it's about 50000 I mean, A month? Yes, a month. <sighs> yeah. Yikes. <laughs> yes, yes. 50,000 okay. CDs a uh, month to be able to own that house. And none of us even af- can afford that. I mean, your salary is probably not even half that. Right. So you Four definitely figures. can't. <laughs> so <laughs> Exactly. So the solution is to acquire land? Is- so... You have things like mortgages, okay. for instance, to help you be able to afford it. But then mortgages are also expensive. Exactly. You could be paying for that for about 50 years, mm. for almost the rest of your life, for just one house. So imagine if you're looking at owning more than one house. You seriously can't afford it. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to look at also saving. Okay. So for... Let me give a typical example. I did my service in a real estate company that constructs and sells mm-hmm. and also manages the properties. And what was happening was you have most people who have about 30 to 50% of the value of the property that they can put up upfront and then the mortgage will take care of the rest. That's where you can, let's say, finish paying within that year and then finish paying with your bank but at least the property from the contractor's point of view or the real estate company's point of view has become yours but from the bank's point of view they own that property with you so until you're done paying somehow you don't really own your property it's more like you're renting to own it Mm. yes like what happens Elsewhere, like abroad. Yes. So, okay. yes. so what happens if you default? <laughs> <laughs> you, you lose a job. Or you if, if you default, I mean, depending happens? on the bank the you're working with, you could lose the house. Hmm. Um, After if all it's the for money long, is paid, yes. do they pay you back the money? No. So what we usually do is um, there's something we have we call <laughs> yeah there's something we call for sale value, mm. which is if we are if a bank decides to foreclose on your house, mm. um, how much money they would make. Mm. sometimes it's typically about 30% of the value of the property. Mm. And then they will share that with you if you still have, if they finish paying off the house and you still have something they can give you. Or they will choose to keep the house and then not give you anything depending on what else is left for you to pay. So usually it depends on the arrangement you have with the bank and what you have left by the time you start defaulting. And then you most likely you lose the house okay so let's you let's come back come to the point of uh, acquiring land yes yeah so 
what are the options over there as well for, so, for the average young person? So for acquiring land, usually buying land is cheaper. Usually buying land is cheaper. Um, if you want to buy a land compared to a house, you could be spending... Recently, you get some what's the cheap for it to him. So Sorry? unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if no, no, you all go, I, to, I didn't hear the yes, word. Yeah. The the three people call something it's win. You, it, yes, ah, you weren't okay, looking yes, like you weren't looking for it. For just it. yeah, okay. that kind of thing. So somehow you're looking for property but you're not expecting property to be maybe less than 50,000 CDs for a plot of land, mm. a regular 70 by 100. Which is not like in mainstream Accra. You're talking no, like outskirts. Outskirts yeah. Accra, yeah. uh-huh. And you would get somebody who is desperate for money, probably selling sometimes as low as 10,000 CDs. Mm. But you also have to be careful <laughs> of such lands because there could be litigation. Mm. He's yeah. probably sold it to so many people and you're just one of the guys falling for the gimmick. Okay. Mm. Right. Yeah. So w- would you even say affordable housing exists in Ghana? Um, not really. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a scam, yeah? Yeah. Affordable in, in whose eyes? That's mm. that's the question exactly. I always ask. Yeah, yeah. Affordable in whose eyes? Mm. I, I, yes. You are looking at a middle income earner mm. and you're saying property is affordable. Obviously, he can afford it. You take a mortgage from the bank, some of them within six months would have finished paying because if you're earning let's say 10,000 CDs a month, mm. you should be able to buy a reasonably priced house. I'll say reasonably in quotes, mm. you know. But <laughs> if you're like some of us still struggling to get uh, there, some of us, <laughs> your salary will even get to 3K. Yeah. So which house are you going really? to buy? <laughs> 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 even your rent, if you'll be suffering to pay it. Yeah. So, so when you, you hear affordable it? housing schemes... Mm-hmm. What do you, what comes to mind? What, Deborah, what's, what's, what's the first thing? Do you think it exists? Like she said, it doesn't. Or what, what, what comes to mind for yes, you? Yes, so yeah. it's a possibility. Okay. So depending on, like she said, it's, it's relative. So depending on what or who the target market is, okay. it may be affordable or it may not be affordable. So for instance, let's just say we are targeting... Who should the target be? Let's say low to middle income right. earners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, affordable housing should be nothing lavish. Of course, you have your basic amenities mm. and things like that. I think it's a possibility. Mm. Very, mm-hmm. very possible. And I feel that this is an initiative that should be taken up by the government and not necessarily individual investors. Because mm. if you're an individual investor, you're really looking to your profits mm-hmm. mm. and you can't have that mindset for affordable housing mm. because you don't stand to earn so most likely it's a venture that personally I think it's um, the government that should take take that up not necessarily individual investors but we have we've heard about government's affordable housing um, <laughs> schemes and the houses weren't quite affordable so how do you... So I think then maybe it was... The target market was not necessarily low-income earners. Ah, okay, I see your point. But for a country, affordable housing should be targeted for low-income earners. Because, mm. I mean, if you develop um, um, a settlement and it's not affordable, then who is really going to... Anyway, um, we'll come to that. That, that, that matter is a, <laughs> it's a, it's a, topic, a topic for... <laughs> 
the phone conversation yeah. because the Chinese had a similar um, thing where, I mean, if you go to China, you realize that there was a big real estate market, um, possibly because of what you're talking about. Um, but, and you know, China is regulated. Everything is regulated by the government. Um, and they have this current housing crisis, um, particularly one of their top um, housing agents, Evergrande. And they are losing money because they put up so many housing units and it looks like people are not buying them. Yeah. And so they are losing. Anyway, that's a, that's a topic for another day. Um, so how does how does an architect now play into it? Because now I've got I've got my land, right? Um, as a young person, I've hustled. I've <laughs> managed to buy some land, be at what, um, yeah. Amasaman or something. And now I have to put up a building and then I'm told, okay, there's some, there's, okay we hear that architects, what's what's the role of an architect in, in all of that? How where, where do I come to that person or how, can I even afford that person in the first place? Stuff like that. So what happens is there's a general rule that we ha- we all architects have to follow, right? There's the Ghana Institute of Architects, which we are all associates of. Right. And they have for the fee or how much it costs and things like that. There are prescribed fees, right, for individuals. For instance, um, for a project, maybe a residential project or whatever the project is, the architect is entitled to about 8% of the total um, fee for construction. Mm. But including allied consultants where you have the structural engineer, mechanical and plumbing, the total should be about 15%. But that's relatively high for the average Ghanaian. Yeah. So architects will usually charge within that range but maybe not as high you would have the high figure when you approach a firm because they have the capacity but for individual mm. architects we we see inside for you guys so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay. they okay. don't really charge that much but. okay yeah, so dwelling on that answer yeah you would you would say that let's say like you said you have your piece of land yeah and now you want to start yeah you want to start something <laughs> you want to start okay but then an architect would seem like well a bougie idea you get me because um you have basically you have something in mind you want to do you, you go and see you go to pinterest next <laughs> really? oh, you go and see a contractor yeah right who would actually, you know, goes through the whole yeah. from foundation and all of that and yeah. starts to build. Would you say that um, architecture is a preserve of the wealthy and the, the corporate entities? No. no. So architecture should be for everyone, basically. Okay. Um, let's just take should it be. from... You said... Is, sorry. Is, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But then there's that misconception. So people would not approach an architect on the onset, would rather approach a contractor. And that's where sometimes the mistakes happen. Mm. For instance, let me digress a bit. Mm. Um, I had a client... Well, not a client. This person came to me for... To help him address an issue. He went through... I don't know who. The person definitely was not a professional. 
the building is a construction stage, right? He's not in the country. So he left everything to the contractor, the foreman, quote unquote, mm -hmm. to oversee the construction of the building. He came back and he realized the drawings he had versus what is on site are two <laughs> different things. Mm -hmm. So at this point, he's asking me for a third opinion. But then the mistake has already been done. Mm -hmm. If you have to make any rectification, that would be cost implications mm -hmm. on your pocket. So why don't you go through the right channels yeah. from the onset? It's... I'm not going to say that it's cheap, but then you mm. get your money's worth mm. in the long run. Mm. So it's always advisable to, no, it's not just for mm. the corporate or the bougie, like, yeah. you need Sorry, if, if I can chip in here, mm. you don't even, now, these days, literally, like, realistic, you don't even have to say, put yourself through that stress. Mm. If you even approach um, a construction company, I say that looking at, please consider your own budget and who mm -hmm. you are going to. Mm. You would have usually a consultant architect. Okay. They probably would have one and go through the whole process with you, help you get your drawings at an affordable fee and then you go ahead with it. If you do even choose not to, work with the contractor after that you can move on they've they finished with you mm. so now i really don't see how you would wait and make all those mistakes because we are finding ways to partner with other um, professionals in the real estate industry mm. that you don't have to make the mistake then come back trying to fix it i my husband is in the construction industry and sometimes you would go to sites and you're breaking down things and replacing walls and replacing pillars just because if you don't the building would fail yeah. and if you've seen construction go on after the design is done and you are implementing what the architect has given you you would understand that anything can happen even while the construction is going on so you really don't want to go through all that and then realize I've made a mistake and you probably have to go all the way back to square one. Okay, so your angle is that working with um, construction companies yes. solves the problem of you like having to deal with That is if you feel you can't afford going straight okay. to them, of okay. course. And for me, I don't say it's better to have someone in your in your corner. Mm. It's always to have. It's always best to have someone in your corner, mm. because you can't start and then, like I said, make the mistakes. If you have someone in your corner, that way you can avoid most of these mistakes. Mm. You can have a construction company if you want. Mm. You can have um, or verify that who you are working with has an architect that they consult with. Okay. That brings Be me to the issue mm -hmm. of draftsmen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what I have a feeling there's going to be around here, but <laughs> what <laughs> what's your take on draftsmen and architects and what's okay? First of all, t tell us the difference. Okay. Yeah. So an architect is um, the first contact for when you want to build or when you want to design. Mm. So what happens is we go through. Oh no. 
the basic difference is let's just go back to the educational history is a draft man does not necessarily have the qualifications an architect does usually draft men go to like technical institutions so from your pre-tech they learn how to do drawings Mm. but then what happens with the architect is we literally have to understand the way of life of a client for instance if you come to me that you want a three-bedroom residence. I just don't go up and start drawing. Like, I need to understand what your lifestyle is like, what your preferences are. Aside that, I also need to understand the sites. Like, um, you, we do a whole blown-up site analysis just so that whatever we design is best suited for the, for the site. But mm-hmm. what happens with the technicians or the draftsmen is we work with technicians. Oh, you work with definitely. Them. Yes. Oh, okay. So you could have an architect, for instance, I've done my sketch design. That's the general concept or the design of the project. I hand it over to, that's the norm, really. That's what mm-hmm. happens. I hand it over to a technician to do detailed drawings. Mm-hmm. What happens is he has your drawings. That's your patent, but he has it because he's worked on it. Someone else who may not be able to afford the services of an architect goes directly to the draft man and then he picks up your drawing and then hands it over for some cash and that's not right mm-hmm. they don't design like <laughs> they just do it's almost let's say i come to see a technician right mm-hmm. i tell him i want a three-bedroom he just does a three-bedroom residence and mm-hmm. that's it mm-hmm. he doesn't really go beyond the details or the construction mm-hmm. he just does a three-bedroom mm-hmm. residence but then architecture because it's a lot more than mm. what mm. your typical technician mm. would do. So that's mm. yeah, where the difference All is. Right. So then, let's say at this point, you have your house. Okay. And you're we've built, we've trying built, to... We've built the house already. We've built the house already. <laughs> <laughs> we moved past... Yeah, we moved quickly. <laughs> Get with the problem. Yeah, really. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so then, you have your house. Okay, mm. how, how would you say... I mean, what's what's what are some obstacles to a, a sustainable building? Like, what's what's what would get in the way of that? So, I think um, the thing with sustainable buildings. Now, <laughs> before we come to that, you, before we come to that, before we, let me let me chip this in. Okay. And we'll come back to the sustainable buildings. Like <laughs> in terms of pricing, okay, of buildings. That's why. I, um, I asked whether we've built a house already. <laughs> because um, in terms of the price, uh, okay. a, one of the major factors, I'm sure both of you may agree, is the component of cement. Now, mm-hmm. you, you disagree? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, yeah. You when tell, it comes you, to the pricing. You, you, tell, you, tell, you tell me why. Okay. But I think... Uh, based on the little I gather, like cement has become a major issue for people who like are putting, yeah. you know, money together. Okay, I have mm-hmm. to, because um, I say there's a cartel. Um, other people may not agree, <laughs> but then the the cement is a big deal. What do you think is? Um, are there any like binding alternatives like that people can explore? Like, what are the options for people? Is this cement like the holy grail? Like, is it? Yeah, unfortunately, yes, that's the norm. Oh, so okay. even trying to introduce anything different will be a little too difficult mm. for mm. the industry to accept because okay. really cement, from what I know, is really the yeah. binding so, so material. So from a layman's perspective, we can't escape cement. 
well, it depends on what material. You, you, you can't necessarily escape it completely, but mm-hmm. then you can cut down on it, yeah. depending on what building material you're using. If it's your concrete blocks, then there's nothing you can mm-hmm. do because that's the main Sun binding. Sun you mean like what we call Your regular blocks, blocks yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You can't do away with okay. the binder. But then, for instance, if you are look, looking at laterites, they come in interlocking blocks, so you would le- you would need a lot less cements than you would your regular concrete blocks, mm. or even ram death. You probably would need just a slight amount because it's a binder. Mm. But then you won't need as much as you would if you were using the regular um, concrete blocks. So, will sustainable buildings reduce the amount of cement used? Because Yes. So the reason why in our part of the world, like the building material is the driving force or what we base sustainability on. Sustainability is a whole broad topic. Like there's the whole technology aspect to it. But then the very fundamental of it for us is the building material because the building material is mostly like 80% of the building, basically. So you'd want to cover your back on that area. So if you use a sustainable building material, and as much as maybe... So examples? Oh, so you have your latrite. You have, well, basically, it's Mm -hmm. earth. Mm -hmm. So latrite comes in the form of latrite blocks, Mm -hmm. earth Mm -hmm. blocks, Mm -hmm. that look like the concrete blocks, but then uh, it's interlocking. It's not... Mm -hmm. you. So what happens with the interlocking blocks is you lay them over each other and Mm -hmm. then... That's the structural integrity right there. And then there's rammed earth that's, quote-unquote, our mud houses. Okay. So it's compounding. Which I love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's just compressing earth okay. to the point where it's rock solid. And okay. that's what forms the building. So we strive for that because once you have that building material for your, your let's say, your home, that's like 80% sustainability happening already. Mm. Have you, in your line of work, have you come across um, sustainable buildings you have to manage? Has that happened to you? No, in in Ghana, it's not not something that's very common. You would have very, 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 very few houses or properties that will be built like that. Most of our high-rises these days are even um, mostly concrete poured concrete so where's the sustainability there so the the thing with that is um earth hasn't really been used over the years so then having full-blown high-rise buildings and earth is very Mm -hmm. rare Mm -hmm. but then there's that possibility so there's still research going on technology is advancing so there are are new even materials that are being used now for the kind of blocks that we use in building that's why now we've stopped plastic yes we've stopped calling uh blocks that we use now regular blocks because if you call something a block can be anything Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. so you have to qualify what kind of block you're using so that we know for sure that okay it's sustainable or it's not so that we know how to even deal with it after it's built so in your line of work why do people reject um uh, what, what did you call them latrites buildings yeah. Yeah. What, so what? there's that affiliation to mud huts and no one wants to live in a mud hut 
there's just that impression. People do not see beyond that. I mean, technology is, things are different now. Mm. So then there are ways to use the material that would not necessarily give you that madhouse effect. That would look modern and um, pleasant. So let me just, while they are doing that discussion, <laughs> let me just chip in. So when it comes to like using the plastic waste and things like that, mm. I don't necessarily... Um, advocates for it for buildings. I get that you are trying to like it's sustainability in a sense because you are trying to get rid of or recycle plastic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then in that process, the allocation of that for building materials is wrong for pavements and things like that. Fine, mm -hmm. but in our part of the world where we are trying to repel heat, mm -hmm. plastic yes. absorbs heat. Yes. So there are different things we can use mm -hmm. plastic waste for, but I won't advocate for that for yes. actual buildings. Yes, I I saw I saw a video of someone building with um, I don't know what to call it. They packed sand mm. into plastic bottles. I don't know if you've seen that mm -hmm. before. And I was thinking that it wasn't even doing, being done in Ghana. And I then saw a later video of a Ghanaian who had tried something like that. And I was asking myself, yeah, maybe for some two-bedroom, three-bedroom. For affordable for, housing. Yes you'd want to sort of cut down costs. So then uh -huh. if the material is available, available for disaster relief, so for, you know... Like yeah, but if you, if you choose to now go into a high-rise, say a two-story or three-story, uh, that is where it becomes a little shaky. Because it's not been proven, yes. the structural integrity, like... Yes. There's still well, research really going have on, to but try it yeah. and then know for sure before we start yeah. making it safe. a norm. Because mm. for now, you can't really say it's safe. So, one more question before I go to the next one: Are sustainable buildings the solution to affordable houses? Do you or it's the, the fact that it's sustainable doesn't mean it's cheap. I would rather say vernacular architecture. Okay. Because what happens with vernacular architecture is you try as much as possible to use materials in that locality. So you cut down completely on transportation costs. Mm -hmm. okay. If the materials are can be found easily in your locality, that means that you would have skilled workmen who would be able to use them. So your labor would also be found in the same vicinity. You don't need to bring workforce onto the site. So that all is like... Little, little cost you yeah. would have to incur. Mm. So I wouldn't necessarily say that sustainability can be luxury and then it can be affordable, depending okay. on, again, the building material, because that's the main component of a building, really. Hmm. So are there, is a skill readily available for sustainable buildings? For example, um, I, <laughs> I don't know that you, you may want to go in on the container buildings, but um, if you take container buildings, for example... Is the skill are readily available in and terms of like labor and mm -hmm. stuff like that compared to laborers who do sand crates? The norm know? for construction in Ghana is sand crate blocks. Okay. So you would have a lot more skilled labor with your regular block, block mm -hmm. and mortar. When mm -hmm. it comes to um, container housing, you would need specialized skills. So some people have to, to be trained to be able to handle construction with containers. So... I won't call that sustainability in that aspect. Mm. If it, we are talking about the whole recycling and reuse in line with sustainability, then yes, that's fine. But then when we come into the affordability of it, then I don't think so. Okay. All right, I guess so. Okay. okay. So then 
with regards to the housing deficit that I, I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, it sounds as though um, we should just throw our hands up in the air and, and just give up because it's, it's quite a huge deficit. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, <laughs> it's, really, it's really two huge. million. Do we yeah. give up? Should we? Is there a cause to give up? I feel that um, the the whole housing deficit thing is caused by a lot of factors. It's not just about providing homes, whether cheap or even expensive. It's it's about a lot more than just real estate. Because you have people migrating, you have mm. people looking for work, mm. you have people that can't afford certain things, basic things. Because we were talking about the hustler's point of view. Mm. Trust me, I, I, I will believe about 50% of the people we qualify as hustlers are not really hustlers. They are people that have moved from the north, the south, the east, like so like many places. Yes. And urbanization. They are not they are not people that I'll say are in dire need, mm-hmm. crazy need, mm-hmm. like we want to put it. They would they could have stayed wherever they were, mm-hmm. but it just didn't work out there. That's why they are here. Mm-hmm. Probably go up there to the north or to Brongahafo or to Western region or to Ashanti region. And some of these people have beautiful homes that they could have lived in. Mm. But they are here because mm. they need to make a certain amount of money to be able to take care of other people at home. That's why they are here. So for me, sometimes when somebody even says it, it has like, just, just shrug my shoulders. So, like, so yeah. then drilling okay. on that, who, who, who would you say are, your, are the bulk of your, your clients, your clientele? For me? Yeah. For me, my the bulk of my clients are really the <laughs> those who want to build and leave for their kids. That kind oh, of yes. So you would have age-wise, you have people above fifty, mostly okay. being my clients. And then on the commercial side, on the commercial property side, when it comes to facilities, you would have people also around the same age and companies that have been around for quite long. Also looking to build, looking for you to manage their property because a small company would really not want to go into a facilities manager. They'll usually just pick their office administrator to just help take care of the building, but they won't really go for someone who's a professional. What about you, um, Deborah? So, as my personal clients, um, are we looking at age or what's the specification? The demographics. So, um, across the the income levels. Right. um, So, I don't necessarily have specifics, but um, let's say between... I'm not. Am I supposed to put, put no, 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 figures, no figures. <laughs> Just the but, segregation, like the right, groups. So the lower income yeah. and middle oh, income. Oh, so I'll put them at middle income. Middle income. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um. So, one more thing. Your, if, if you're thinking about. So we had a conversation about the weekend, and mm-hmm. there were components of uh, renting. As against building. And 
There are so many angles, and what's 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 your take? Is it is it are people supposed to build and then rent, or people are supposed to build and stay in, <laughs> or people are supposed to rent and rent? Like, which would you advise? Is that for me? Like for everyone? For like okay. everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Um, personally, because I'm an architect, I'll build. You'd build. Right. <laughs> Definitely. You'd advise live. people to build. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Regardless of how far it is to the central business district. Well, you know, there are lots of factors that come in play. Mm. If you have transportation, you don't have any transportation issues, but we do. Mm. So that's a factor. That's something you'd want to consider even um, in buying a land. Mm. Because that's if you're buying a land, that's where you're living. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you may want to consider that. But apart from that, I would want to buy and live. Mm. Build and live. Build. Sorry, build. sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I mean, build and live. Yeah. Okay, what about you? For me, I'd like to buy. You'd like to buy. I'd like to buy. I'd like to buy. I like to buy because I. I don't know. My my background tells me not to believe in already built houses, mm. but but you're buying on. You're buying an already, already built, built house. house yes, you? that's what I'm saying. Ah, okay, my so background po- is okay, okay. it's yeah. it's very against what my background is. But mm. I I would like to buy because I love how much effort we put into some of these homes. Mm. Like I said, I I worked in a construction company before, and to see the process and how much effort, and I would like to be the end user of such a property. Mm. I, I would Rather like to... Rather than going through the hustle of like... Yes, maybe, yes. The ease is what I, I really am okay. also looking okay. at. But I also would like to enjoy what somebody you don't have sat down and created. If you're buying it. If you don't... Have, not, not to... I mean, that's your yeah. choice. But I'm just saying, you, you don't have control over the things that were done? Not really. Okay. If you're buying um, a real estate, let's say Robert. what we usually call a gator community... Mm-hmm. You can buy a shell house. You don't need to buy a finished house. Sorry, what's your... What's, what's a shell house? Can you break it off for some of us, please? So, <laughs> a shell house, usually, most of the outside is done because mm. for a Gator community, they want every house to look uniform. But okay. the inside won't be done. So you would sometimes have unrendered walls. Sorry, unplastered walls. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <That's it>. Yes. <laughs> you would have unplastered walls. It's just fair face, um, the block work. You can so see the block options? work. Yes, there are, there are those options. So you mm. can go for that instead and then choose to put the rest together yourself. Mm. You have a lot of homeowners that would buy that way and because they don't believe in the integrity of your finishes they don't think that you'd get it done well and all that so they'll just pick it up that way and it's even cheaper it comes at a cheaper price than if you're buying a finished house so if you want it that way you can do your own thing and then get it done yourself Mm, but to some extent i feel that regardless of the fact that you want to be able to you want you would have control of what the finished product will look like what happens is when you actually design and live for instance you go through the process with an architect you literally have a building that 
exudes you, yes. like your personal style. There are some people who would like the open plan mm -hmm. concept. There are some people who may be a lot more private. So then if you have the opportunity to give out your brief, then the designer designs according to your, your taste, mm. yes. <laughs> essentially. So eventually you would have building that, that's, that's you, basically, yeah. your yeah. lifestyle and things like that. Yes. Wait, so but that also bridges the gap for me because if you're looking at having security by having a community mm. and living in a place where that already affords you the security, the cleaning on the outside okay. of your so house and all that. It's Yes, it's okay. a, for me it's about mm. convenience and being able mm. to also bring in the fact that I want my own stuff. For example, not to um, make things longer. I had we had a client that did that. He bought a two-bedroom house. He wanted an open kitchen. He did an open kitchen. The two-bedroom house was an expandable property, so he made it a three-bed. Mm. And then now, if you go into that house and you think, oh, this is how every estate house in that area looks like, you enter the next property and you realize it's totally different. So he's bridging the gap between having what he really would like to live in mm. and then having that security of that already exists. Community. Yes, that community feel. Mm. I see. That's the thing. Somebody wants a lavish-looking um, compound. Mm compared to what you'd regularly see in a gator community. Mm. Somebody wants to have their own pool. Somebody wants to have... It depends on what you're really looking for. If you just started life and you're not looking for any of these lavish things, you just want your peace a and quiet bedroom. Some, yes. You, you're looking for something that goes with that and then you can afford... Mm. So if yes. you if it's a gated community, fine. If it's not and you feel you need to buy land and build from the ground up, looking at how peacefully mm -hmm. people live in that area that you're buying the land, eh, mm. fine. But it, it's really is based on what you are looking for. On the average, most people would say building for yourself is better because then you can control everything. You can control the design, you can control the materials, you can control how fast they build, you can control how well they build. But for a gator community, you won't, you probably won't see the process mm -hmm. unless you're somebody that wants to be going to site every other day just to see what they're doing. Otherwise, you really won't have control. Okay, so I think the, the concluding matter on this is that we, what we need, particularly with the land, the access to the land is... <laughs> A further opening up of the country like we said like when we had that conversation that um probably real network will solve a lot of these problems because if i live in kumasi and like she was saying maybe yeah. she wouldn't tell such a person as a hustler maybe in kumasi i'm a, I'm a king over there Hell you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i can afford like or maybe land is given to me over there um i can put up something and oh, no, please it's America. Yeah, please. hey, sorry. I have a question, <laughs> please. <laughs> so I can That's put right. up I can put put up my thing in America and come to Accra. Yeah. I mean if if railway was that accessible in like what an hour or two, mm -hmm. I should be in Accra and get back home mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So I think these are the things we need to push for and that may solve um the problems of like affordability and expenses and and stuff like that. So anyway. Well. It's been a good conversation. It has. It has. It's been it truly a good has. conversation. So how do we find you on um, social media? No. That is. Okay. On social media, my company's name is Kaizen SL. So you can find Kaizen SL on can you, at... Can, can you spell that? 
at Kaizen SL. So K A I Z E N S L. Okay. Yes, that's the name of the company. We do construction, facilities, property management. Okay, awesome. And Deborah, Miss <laughs> <laughs> DD, she's a busy person on, social, on the socials. So yes. tell us, tell us about your YouTube and your Instagram. Yeah. yeah. So my Instagram is there. It's really my YouTube that I'm trying to focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, pushing sustainability and sustainable building designs so (laughs) what i do now is i put up um building on my on my channel like content mainly well currently it's mainly my personal projects and then i try to describe what the building is all about and how I was able to use sustainable um, principles and techniques to achieve the end products. But moving forward, my goal is to feature other architects on that as well. So I I feel that's one way to educate the general public. So, yeah. Awesome, mm. awesome, awesome. The facility so managers would like would like a position there. Oh, too. definitely. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> very happy. So, so what's what's the name of your? So it's that? big small spaces. Big small big spaces. Big small spaces. So make sure you subscribe. <laughs> yeah, subscribe. 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 Calm down. Let's, yeah. let's relax. Subscribe. Slow it down. Let's slow it down, man. Yeah, yeah. slow it down. Well, yeah. You can find the the Mashup podcast on Instagram. Yep. By the Mashup well, Two Three Three. The Mashup 23 on Instagram mm-hmm. and Mashup 23 yeah. on Twitter and Facebook. Awesome. So we'll see you, catch you on another episode. Yeah. All right.